All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I am your host, Nathan Holritz. It is good to be here with you today. Happy Monday to you. Uh, for those of you that are live streaming with us, I hope you had a great weekend. And speaking of those that are live streaming with us, please don't be shy today. Join us for the conversation. Um, you can ask questions, you can comment, engage with our guest who I'm going to introduce here in just a second. But don't be shy to be part of the conversation. I want you to take advantage of this opportunity to do just that. And then for those of you that are listening to the audio version of this after the fact, as I always say, follow us at Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H Podcast, and make sure you keep up to date with the upcoming live streams. We'll do one to two a week and uh, you can join us for those conversations, um, I, I hope as much as possible. All right. Enough of the a little bit of intro. I want to introduce or reintroduce, actually, a return guest on the show. Daniel Moyer is here. Daniel, thank you so much for coming to do this again with me. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me again. Well, and we were actually having a really good conversation here before we started. It was We had to kind of cut it short and just jump right in. And uh, I said we would come back to some of that, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I think there's yeah. a lot to get into here. It's a very loaded topic, especially considering we're doing a relatively short episode here today. We're going to yep. be talking about how to overcome a toxic toxic money mindset and that's pretty loaded and so let's let's just kind of before before actually before we get to that do get, like give us a 60 second intro if you will of yourself your brand for those of the listeners and uh, viewers who don't know you yet Cool. I am a wedding photographer for 13 years. I'm a podcaster, recently turned coach over the last uh, two, three years after realizing that I uh, I do things very differently. And a bunch of my friends had said, hey, man, you're different. You should, you should put this out there. And so I've been putting content out there uh, on a podcast called the Focus Photographers Podcast. I'm a twin dad and a blind optimist in the best sense of the word. <laughs> I'm kind of with you. Like I'm 40, what I just turned 43. And wow. I, I still think like a 14 year old in many ways. And I think one of those <laughs> ways is that I'm a little bit of a naive optimist. Mm -hmm. I like to think that as much as I kind of want the best out of life and out of people, and, and I have so much confidence and faith in people, I kind of expect the same thing from them. And I've unfortunately learned the hard way um, that that's not always <laughs> the case. And you have to kind of guard yeah, yeah. yourself a little bit. I'm trying to balance the the optimism with the cynicism a little bit better <laughs> um, yeah, at this I, stage I in my life. I 100% feel that. <laughs> but nonetheless, it's good to have somebody else on the other side of me who, who looks at life the same way. And I think there's a lot to be gained from life. And a lot of that centers around mentality, mindset, mm -hmm. right? And, and I mean, this holds true in our personal life or professional life, especially when it comes to money. And when we talk about this idea of avoiding a toxic money mindset, I'm curious if you would first define that word toxic. It's a word that's thrown, a lot, thrown around a lot in our culture these days. How do you define yeah. it in the context of this conversation? Um, so let me try to be as like clear and succinct as possible. I think that a toxic money mindset uh, is a mindset around money that manipulates your decisions uh, in a destructive way or a way that's opposite of your values and where you want to head in your life. Okay, so that's interesting because that, I mean, in order to even know, we, I guess we have to actually know where, where we're trying to go in life, right? What it yep. is that we're trying to accomplish. I just posted a reel about this um, from another podcast. Huh. If, if we want to establish and ultimately run and build the most effective business possible, certainly the most effective life possible, we yeah, yeah. want to establish some sort of direction. I mean, it's fun and it may feel artsy and creative to kind of blindly flail about occasionally. But at the end of the day, if we're going to accomplish something, at least something specific, then we have to have some type of clear direction. The cool right. thing about that is, is it allows us to filter for the stuff that doesn't work, right? Doesn't right. enable us to accomplish those goals personally or professionally. 
And so that's what you're talking about here is if something is toxic as it relates to money, when a toxic mindset as it relates to money, uh, then that mindset is one that keeps us from reaching those goals that we've set for ourselves. Right, right. And I think most of us don't really uh, take the time to align like our money and our spending with our values, right? Like it's way easier for people to go spend five or $6 on a cup of Starbucks every day than just buying the uh, bag of coffee and making coffee at home, knowing that if you were to save those $5 every single day or however often you do it, that you'd be able to retire earlier, years earlier, or be able to um, have a, uh, a much more flexible lifestyle because so much money gets eaten up by these little chunks over time. And if you don't really get crystal clear on the values that you have and where you want to go in life, then you're just kind of floating around rudderless, you know? Well, I think, I mean, again, another massive topic that we could spend quite a bit of time on, um, <laughs> but if, suffice it to say that clarity and direction is a good thing. Um, and yes, that does enable time. us. Sure. We can build businesses. I mean, I think back as a photography business owner for years, I didn't have necessarily a specific set of goals. I just wanted to be a professional photographer and meet and yep. make ends meet. Um, but that's a little bit of a reactive mindset, right? Oh, this is a cool thing. And oh, shoot, I need to pay my bills. That was kind of, that was the extent of my proactivity, uh, which yeah. is minimal in nature. And what I want to encourage photographers to do, and I know you're doing the same, um, is based on my experience and certainly the benefit that I've seen since of creating a more proactive mentality of setting goals and ultimately mm -hmm. learning to develop a healthy mindset around a variety of topics, including money, that we be more intentional in the way that we're living our life and certainly building our business. So um, that's yeah. good. We'll leave that there for now. Again, it's one that we can spend <laughs> a lot of time on, but let's, let's, if, if we're talking about the idea of a toxic mindset around money, what would you say is at the root of that toxic mindset? I know that's a loaded question because there might be multiple answers, but what's your initial take on that? So my initial take is I think the stories that were told and the, uh, the experiences that we have as we're kids, right? Like for me, it was, seeing uh, my parents working their butts off all the time. They're hustling and they had both had two jobs when I was younger, but it never felt like we were making really good money. It never felt like we were you know, rolling in the dough. We always had uh, secondhand cars and that kind of stuff. But it it takes took me till now to realize that my parents made conscious decisions to buy secondhand cars, to save money on things that didn't matter. So that way uh, they could have more money for other things like trips and all that. So initially I think it's, the uh these like childhood experiences and all that stuff but as we get older uh now as i was planning for this episode i was thinking like it's it's everything now i mean when you look at uh when you look at instagram right and not to go back to starbucks but you know uh, are you are you even an influencer if you don't have your like starbucks coffee in the morning on your story or um even in our industry there's like this constant um marketing term of six figures right like we've got to chase six figures and that's the pinnacle of what it means to be a successful photographer and i think that these are the things that um that start to sow these seeds of doubt or that seeds of you know there's other things outside of just chasing money that allow us to um, that allow us to have a better, more fruitful life. But I think that the root cause comes from these experiences, what we see on Instagram and what we see from our own industry, you know? So would you say then, I mean, could we sum that up with just an obsession with a little bit of, um, I don't know, like a quick fix for pleasure in the moment. Yes. I mean, we're, we just, we like the Starbucks. Um, we like the toys. 
And if yeah. we get a little bit of money in our pocket, the, our, our maybe kind of childish tendency is to be like, oh, I got a little bit of money. I want to go spend it and get that thing that I want. Yes. So it's kind of a short-sighted um, mentality when it comes to money, which ultimately, of course, is just going to crush us in the long run when it comes to our finances. Unless, you know, we're like the, the 1% of the 1% that gets super, super lucky, wins the lottery yeah. or something, right? That, those, and that, of course, rarely happens. So really, we're in for a pretty tough run when it comes to money if we maintain that short-sighted mindset. Yeah. But it, it's also just the foundation of of the things that we experience when we're young. I think that is the biggest part that where the foundation comes from, right? Like if um, if you uh, were told by your family members that you, they work really hard and you see that and they're working really hard, but it doesn't look like money is available to them, then you might start to think, well, it doesn't matter how hard I work, money's not going to be able to, available to me. And conversations I have with people all the time will say, you know, I'm never going to be able to retire. I can't do this. I can't live this. I can't uh, cut my spending. And I totally get it. Um, but also, it it's it's just so ingrained in us uh, from our experiences at that young age. And that is something that takes a very, very long time to sift through and, and figure out how to come uh, out over top of. Okay. So I'm, and I'm taking notes here, kind of old school on the notebook, but I, I wrote down short-sighted. That was kind of one of the first mm -hmm. ideas that you touched on. Yeah. And, and again, almost that kind of childish tendency of just buying what's in front of you because you have some yeah. cash in your pocket, but then also a, I, I, I mean, for lack of a better description, a kind of a small mindedness, right? This, um, mm -hmm. uh, there's a phrase that gets thrown around a good bit these days, but it, 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 it alludes to the idea that, um, Oh, I can't, I wish I could think of the phrase, but it's, it's a small mindedness when it comes to money, what it is that I could potentially accomplish. Um, I, I only see that at a really, really small scale, um, and kind of a limited thinking, a limited thought process. Oh, is there, yes. what's the phrase? I can't, I don't know why I can't think of it. <laughs> uh, JL Collins talks about this. Uh, he's an author that I love about that, uh, has this really great book that I'll mention okay. later. He calls it um, an opportunity cost. Is that the one you're thinking of? Well, no, I'm, what I'm thinking about more in this case is just the, you know, there is an, an assumption, whether it's from our life experience, um, mm -hmm. the, the environment that we grew up in. For example, I grew up in an environment that where there wasn't a lot of money. Um, yeah. That certainly affected my thought process about money. When I started getting checks from my clients for thousands of dollars, I, yeah. first of all, had that very short-sighted mindset of, oh my goodness, I, I don't even know what to make of this much money, first of all, because I didn't, yep. I didn't need, I didn't know how to relate to it anyway because of my childhood. I didn't have a bad childhood, but we just didn't have a lot of money. So yeah, the idea that somebody would hand me a check for five thousand or ten thousand dollars or potentially even more is just like whoa, so mind blowing. Yeah, but then it's I get excited about it, so then I'm going and spending it mindlessly, not thinking about saving, paying taxes, all the stuff that I should do, and that ends up hurting me. So that that's right. a very practical personal example of what you were talking about first. But then the small mindedness is if I only know what it means to live in a home that makes X amount a year. And, you mm -hmm. know, when we go to breakfast in the morning, we're allowed to have one cup of orange juice and that's it because we can't afford right. to buy another gallon of orange juice or whatever it might be, you know, like that, that's some of what I was used to. If that's the mindset around money, it is a scarcity mindset. That's the phrase that yeah, I was kind of trying to think of. Mindset. If that's the mindset, then it would be easy for that to, to, to continue to own that as we go into our adult life and maintain that, whether it's conscious or subconscious. Right, right. I think um, when you're talking about like these like mindsets that you have or like toxic money mindsets, um, they 
they start to manifest themselves in a couple different ways. Like you're talking about small mindedness. Um, I also think it's just like lack of education, um, lack of understanding, like what's really possible, lack of clarity on what you want. But I, I see these, um, these like three different categories and uh, two of them I resonate with really closely because they were me up until about 2017, 2018. And they, I think they come up in kind of three different ways. You have this like money warship, um, uh, money status, and then money avoidance. Uh, money worship can be kind of described as, you know, money makes me happier or the stuff that money buys can make me happier. Um, money status would be things like, um, your net worth equals your self-worth, which is, a uh, an interesting one and pretty powerful. Um, and then money avoidance is just, uh, that, that money is unimportant and that you don't want anything to do with it. And money avoidance and money status were absolutely me 100% to a T. And can you give, I guess, maybe some, an example or two, just from your personal life of how you live those principles or those ideas out? Yeah. So, so these are like the things that I really had to overcome where, so money avoidance really, that was like the core of it for me, because I saw so many things when I was younger that I feel like, like a perfect example was, I remember like when I was learning how to drive, everything was really great. And, um, driving along and I remember seeing these like fancy cars driving past me and zipping in and out of lanes and their Audis and BMWs. And I was like, wow, like it's a lot to afford that kind of car. You know, why are they driving so aggressively? And I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe naively was thinking, oh, well, maybe too much money changes people. Or there was um, a family in my middle school that won like millions of dollars. And uh, they were like the perfect family too. And then three years later, uh, they it ripped their family apart, divorced, and all that kind of stuff. And thinking again, you know, money changes people, and you see these things, and it just started to um, solidify my mindset that like I did not want money. I didn't. I, I wanted to make it, but then uh, the other side of it was this money status side of things, where I. I didn't want it, so I found creative ways to spend it. And a lot of it was, let me just go and work at the coffee shop all the time. But I would pay for ridiculous stuff that uh, I didn't need to pay for, like, let me upgrade to first class on a, a flight that I'm going to for a wedding outside the country. Just <laughs> these like random things. It's like I, I would find ways to spend it as quick as possible because I didn't want to have this massive amount of money sitting behind me. I didn't want money to change me, if that makes sense. You didn't want it to change you. Okay. So is there almost like this, this I don't know, I, the, the phrase that comes to mind is virtue signaling here, but like mm. you're you're trying to feel good about yourself in the way that you're not spending money. Is that is that what you're getting at? Yeah, there's there was that, but it was also just a fear of what money could do to me if, um, mm. if I had too much of it. Or like I didn't think of money as like a tool to better my, my life for my family's life, all that stuff. I thought of it as this like power that kind of looms over you. Um, and it was this unclear thing in that, you know, like, you know, when Bernie Madoff uh, stole that money, it's like, why do people risk these like this, these fortunes and do all this stuff just for this pursuit of, of money? Well, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to pursue money at all, but I know I needed to, put, to pay my bills. So anything outside of that, I'm just going to get rid of anything that's outside of like, I can just pay my bills. I'm just going to get rid of, but instead of saving it, I just, I just got rid of it. Like I just hmm. bought stupid stuff with it. And it was, it was very self-destructive. And I think, listen, when, when you, um, ask anybody like, Hey, what's your feelings about money? Um, I did this on a little, uh, podcast or a little chat that I had with a bunch of people in a Facebook group and you'd get things like, uh, 
disconcerting, um, confusing, scary, right? Everybody's got these things that are just wrapped up inside of them about how they feel about money. You know, mine was just uh, manifest in one way. Some people aren't numbers people, so they don't want to deal with learning the numbers or learning about retirement or learning about how to save money. Some people are just addicted to like retail therapy, right? And they just buy things to make themselves feel better. These are the toxic relationships that I'm talking about, uh, toxic relationships with money that I'm talking about where we, for one reason or another, use money uh, in a way that does not allow us to build the life that we want or um, to do things that are destructive to uh, you know ourselves, our families, our uh, well-being. It's just a very sticky situation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I, I want to kind of take a step back, though. So you talked about mm -hmm. the idea of lack of education. That's probably really at the root of, of all of it, right? If we're not raised around, raised in a healthy environment, um, and along with that, an education, a certain amount of education around money and how to uh, look at money, how to manage money, certainly when it comes to business, how to manage our finances, then that's going to have a pretty significant effect on our personal and our business lives when it comes to money. It leads to a certain amount of short-sightedness likely mm -hmm. and, um, and potentially a scarcity mindset too, especially if we're not around a lot of money growing up. And yeah. what that can lead to or a few, a couple of things that you mentioned was the, the emphasis on money and its association in our mind of status. And so yep. we behave accordingly. Going the other way, we tend to avoid money. And and I wonder, yep. I mean, this again is a loaded conversation. I'm, I'm curious about the psychology behind that because you do, you hear and maybe even see or read, especially from some photographers, they're like, I'm an artist, I'm not worried about the money. I wonder if they're actually not worried well, about the you're money. You're a business because, owner. Well, yeah, but I, th I think, I mean, there's I think there's some interesting psychology at play behind yes. why people avoid the money, right? Some people right. will do it under the guise of virtue. Um, claiming that money's not important, anti-capitalist, right. whatever the reasoning. But I, I, I think that there might be more behind the psych, the psyche that is driving that those tendencies. I'm not a psychologist. I'm going to leave that just kind of hanging for now. But nonetheless, <laughs> this lack of education, which leads to a short-sightedness and or a scarcity mindset that leads to this tendency to maybe overemphasize the, the notion of status as it relates to how much money we make and the yeah. things that we're able to buy, potentially avoidance. These are all unhealthy, um, kind of an unhealthy background that leads to an unhealthy mindset. And yep. so I'm curious if you'll just kind of lead us now in the direction of something a little bit more positive, what are a few yes. principles or ideas that we should begin to wrap our minds around as individuals, but certainly as photography business owners to develop a more healthy mindset around money? Yeah, yeah. Speaking just for a moment on what you said before about like being a therapist and all that stuff, like I'm not a CPA, I'm not a therapist, but I think both of those you do sometimes need when you're when you're dealing with all this stuff that was downloaded onto your pristine little hard drive when you were young um, from your family members and all that stuff. And it takes it takes a lot of um, self uh, reflection to go through this, uh, but. I think in that self-reflection process, one of the best things that we can do, like the first step is to just increase knowledge, increase knowledge in, in terms of, um, you know, like gathering knowledge about what people who are good with money, uh, what they do and how they manage it, but also just, um, just increasing your knowledge around, uh, your own personal money, especially in your business and personal. But I think if there were if there were three to five, like you said, healthy traits that we should be striving for, it's it's uh, let's see, it is knowing. All right, let me boil it down to these three. 
It's knowing uh, when you do or don't have the money to buy something, right? Like that, I think is like, if you're, if you're trying to reach for something, I think that is a, a great place to start. The second is feeling confident in managing it um, and being able to say no to buying something when you don't actually have the money to buy it. And uh, the last, if I'm just like throwing things out there, I think the last one is, um, is spending monies based on your values, right? Like we kind of mentioned that before. And in like the pre-show it's, it's, uh, you know, having these values that you can, uh, align your spending with and know that like you're on track. And I think that reinforces the confidence that, um, that you're trying to get around money. So if you're looking for like also things that you like maybe actions and traits you want to have, it'd be things like, you know, having low or no debt, um, saving money to meet your goals, having a safety net, and then having some kind of an emergency fund. Um, you know, actually, if, um, if I'm, th I'm thinking about this now, like a perfect example of like spending money on your values, uh, my family is extremely important to me, you know, and this past year, I think we were talking about this kind of pre-show, these past couple of years have been very, very difficult. Uh, I think, you know, lots of photographers know what it's, what it's been like to have a business through the pandemic and everything. But also that meant that my family was not seeing the best versions of me at all. And so what I needed to do, I'm, I'm very thankful that I had this kind of financial independence awakening back in 2017, 2018, that allowed me to have a mini retirement this year where I massively uh, took the um, workload that I normally have and basically cut it in half. I'm shooting like 15 weddings this year. And, and that's basically it, uh, because I, I know what frustration looks like. I know what burnout looks like. I know what being overwhelmed looks like, uh, over the last, you know, however long 10 years plus years that I've been in business. So this year, let me let the pendulum swing in the opposite direction. And, um, and I, now I can, I can say that, all right, over the last couple of years, I knew that our twins were going to be born and all that. So I saved up enough money to be able to have a little bit of time off. Then the pandemic happened. Now I really needed the time off this year to, uh, really balance out the the love and and care that my family needed to have when I just actually show up and I'm not stressed and burnt out and working all the time. Okay, so I, I want to jump back here and I've, I've been writing furiously in my notebook here as you're talking, <laughs> but I want to jump back to kind of the three primary recommendations and I've distilled them down here into to three points. Um, cool. One is number one is to develop a certain level of money management skill set. And yes. um, you alluded to the idea of gathering knowledge, uh, both from good sources um, yes. and then ultimately about our own numbers. And we'll get to that piece here in just a second. Do you, where did you learn how to better manage money? Can you recommend two or three good resources for our listeners? Yeah. So uh, my financial independence journey started with uh, Dave, uh, Dave Ramsey, Total Money Makeover. I feel like a lot of people start there. He was the gateway drug to me saying, okay, well, you know, I can actually get out of debt because here's the real talk. When, when my wife and I first started, uh, tracking our finances, it was mid 2018 and we had just over $102,000 in debt. Um, and we had been paying off quite a bit, you know, the year or so prior. So we had a lot and that does not include it, include a house that was, um, cars, credit cards, all kinds of stuff from just my uh, inability to spend. So when I really, decided to get serious. Dave Ramsey, Total Money Makeover was the first one. Um, and then there were several books and and blogs that actually really helped. So let me just throw a couple out there. Uh, JL Collins, Total Money Makeover was a, a game changer for me because that was kind of this whole view about money where 
you know, you could uh, save and have this thing he calls "fu" money, which I love the term. Uh, where he just said, to interrupt you real quick, J.L. Yeah. Collins is actually the simple path to wealth, right? Oh yes, I'm simple path to wealth. Sorry, I said. Uh, total yeah, total money, money makeover, makeover is Dame Ramsey. I pulled that up on screen while while you were talking there. Uh, J.L. Collins, and I'm going to pull total, this up uh, on screen as well here on Amazon. Simple, path, simple to wealth. path to wealth. Your roadmap to financial independence and a rich free oh, it's life. So good. It's yeah, so good. good. It's Keep such going a good on the book. Thought there. Yeah, such a good book. Sorry about the mix up. Um, there's that book, which really has this kind of whole view of, you know, how to save simply, um, how to, uh, he kind of redefines the term retirement for what does it look like if you have this FU money where you can take time off, you can take a break to pursue passion projects. Um, a blog that I love to read is uh, Mr. Money Mustache, uh, where He's just a fascinating guy. He um, retired at the age of like 35 with $600,000 and just lives this like very simple life. Um, and his whole thing is that humans need very, very little to be happy. Um, and if you learn to kind of cut things out of your cut things out of your life, that you can live this very happy life with that doesn't have anything you're sacrificing for a, a pretty low amount of money. So he's like pretty far on one end of the spectrum, but I love like uh, a lot of the things that he talks about. And then the last one, which is a complete game changer is called The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. That one is really awesome for looking at how people manage money. And and it's just, it's 20 chapters with short stories in it. And it's so, uh, it just kept me so uh, engaged for the whole entire book. Uh, it's, it, audiobook is amazing, but... There's a story about Ronald Reed. There's a story I'm going to share in a little bit um, about like specific traits when we get to that point. But yeah, that like all those books doesn't matter. Just pick one up and start. But yeah, they are complete game changers. So if we're talking about places to gather knowledge, those are where I would I would start first. Okay, good. Yeah, and I appreciate that list. And for those of you that are um, looking at the or watching the uh, the video version of this podcast, you can see the psychology of money. Timeless Lessons on Wealth, Greed, and Happiness. I've got that pulled up on Amazon. But of course, we'll link to all of these in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Let me come back then to the second point, um, which I just kind of summed up here as I'm taking notes as know your numbers. So, yeah. and, and of course, developing education. I mean, there's there are a lot of elements of developing a healthy financial understanding and then a mindset. Um, and, and we're just, we're just kind of breezing right past it here, but <laughs> it's all good. Once we develop some halfway intelligent basis of understanding, mm -hmm. um, the, the, how to manage our money personally, and then how to begin to manage our money on a business level. Uh, th I think one of the most important things to do is to start to look at a profit and loss statement, um, yep. or, um, at the very least, just as a business owner, looking at income and expenses, looking yep. where that money is being spent, where we're making the money, making adjustments accordingly. When you talk about knowing numbers, is that what you're talking about? Or do you have some other ideas or concepts in mind? That's exactly what I'm talking about. And it's really like about just demystifying because I'm I'm not a math person. My wife is really good at math. I'm not a math person. I'm not a numbers person. And so for me, this, got, this just got to be something that I said, if I'm going to be profitable, if I'm going to be able to save for retirement for my family, pay for my kids' college. I need to really dive into nitty gritty things like how much am I spending, you know, it every month, right? A budget, uh, but not even a budget, just knowing, okay, I'm spending this much. This is how many subscriptions I have. This is about how much money we spent on Amazon last month. Um, knowing the personal side, nitty gritty like that, but then also the the business side, because the business side is so tricky because it's not like... I feel like it's just always a moving target where you know you've got suppliers and this this package can create this uh, amount of 
net profit. And this package over here has more expenses because you have to pay a second shooter and you have to pay, uh, you know, for the album. And then you've got like a little bit less. And it's just, it's just a lot. So, um, profit first, uh, I'm sure you're no, no, um, uh, if, if you're been in business for a while, uh, there's a good chance you've heard of the book profit first sure. uh, by Mike McCallowitz. It is a ga another game changer of a book for the business side of things that, um, really, uh, creating a system for how to manage your money in your business allows it to flow from you into your personal life a lot more uh, clean and simple and uh, and much more um, clear because you know exactly where every penny of every check that comes in, you know exactly what it's uh, ear tagged or, or tagged for, right? Where, you know, with with profit first when i first implemented that i was i was training for a half marathon i was i listened i binged the whole book in like two big long runs and i came back and i set up the accounts and it was like it was the most amazing feeling to a check would come in and i literally had a spreadsheet created that money would move from that one account into these other accounts and i could say oh i actually have this much money set aside to pay my cost of goods sold. Oh, this money right here is allotted for gear. This money right here, all down to the cent, this money right here is mine. This money gets moved to my account twice a month. I get paid twice a month rather than just, oh, I got to check in. What do I have to pay? What do I have to do? It just creates this system for you that allows you to really get into a rhythm. And that was something that as a creative was not um, easy because like I said, I'm not a math person, I'm not a numbers person. And having a system, somebody laid it out for me was very, very helpful. Yeah, I, I, I didn't tend to be, uh, well, I, I wasn't good with numbers, um, as I mentioned, largely because of my, my history. And mm -hmm. then, I mean, that, that's, that's the story I tell myself, that's what I blame it on, right? But ultimately, right. of course, it's on me. And, and I learned that the hard way, but I, I didn't have the education and the experience and the background in it. And then as a result, I had a certain, and, and a, I guess not just as a result of that background, but then also maybe a few negative experiences. I had a certain fear around numbers. Right. And so I tended to avoid it. And it's very easy as creative types or emotional personality types, um, which I definitely <laughs> am one, to say, I am not, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Right. And what we should be saying, I think a more healthy way to go about that is to say my tendency is, or I don't have the tendency toward, but right. I have the ability as a, an intelligent human being who can make choices for themselves to go and educate myself. And there are yep. a million resources. You just shared a really great list of them. And there are a million more YouTube in, individually in person. We can hire somebody to, to help coach us um, a financial uh, consultant, or otherwise, yeah. there's so many different resources out there that we can actually leverage. So yes, though we may not, that may not be our specialty or our natural strength, there are plenty of resources um, out there and we have the ability to make the choice to begin to educate ourselves and surround ourselves with the resources necessary to become better at this thing. Because if we're gonna build a business at the end of the day, we can't just write, you know, write it off to, or write the lack of success off to, I'm not a numbers person. We right. have to take it on. We have to face it and be willing to embrace it, at least to a certain level, so that we can understand it well enough. And that's what we're talking about here. We have to develop basic money management skills, but then we have to begin to develop a certain amount of awareness of the numbers, yeah. looking at, again, income and expenses and how that relates to our marketing efforts and making intelligent decisions um, based on the actual numbers. You talked about personal spending. Um, I, I am subscribed to uh, a what well, used to be called Truebill. I think it's now Rocket oh, yeah. Finance or something like that. I don't know why yeah, they yeah. changed. But um, 
what used to be true, Bill, if you just, anybody listening in can do a quick Google search. Uh, it's an incredible app, beautiful app. In fact, let me just pull it up here so I, I tell you guys the exact correct app. It is called Rocket Money. And it is the oh. most beautiful user-friendly resource that you can tie to your bank accounts, investment accounts, et cetera. It pulls it all into one place, really easy picture. You can create a budget. You can manage and track mm. your spending and, and just one, develop awareness, but then be more intentional yep. in your spending. So there's really no excuses in the end. And that's the cool thing right now in 2022 is we have these tools that make this whole process so much easier. We have the resources, one, but we have the tools to leverage like this that will enable us to be more intelligent, not only personally with our finances, but with our uh, business finances as well. QuickBooks. I remember when I started in 2000, <laughs> I don't know, two, two, three, something like that, that I started using QuickBooks. It was, you know, CDs. You had to burn the file to the CD and then uh -huh. take it to your account and drop it off. And the software itself was clunky. That has drastically changed. And somebody who, again, has really no little to no schooling in financial management, especially when it comes to business, can just yep. plug and play now. And there's no yep. excuse but to do just that. One, take advantage of a lot of the automation built into this type of software, and then look at something like a profit and loss statement. See where I'm bringing money in, see where I'm losing money, make adjustments accordingly. And if we just start with these basics, we're in a really great place. We know what it is that we need to make because we've created a budget for ourselves using this software, something like Rocket Money. And mm -hmm. then we are able to make decisions about the business model that we want to make in order to make this much money to pay our bills, to put money in savings. And then we can make adjustments to that business model based on the numbers that we're seeing in something like QuickBooks. And yep. it's that, I mean, again, it's not that complicated. That's not rocket science. We don't have to be numbers people or money people to be able to do those things. That's really straightforward. If you can pick up your phone and play around with an app, then you can do that stuff. Yeah. One of the things that an exercise that I still do every year, I, I had a true bill and um, it, so sometimes I, I try to take technology out of the equation for myself. And uh, what, an exercise that I love to do is when the year starts to come to an end, I just pick three random months. Like, you know, we went on vacation in July um, and we went to my mother-in-law's beach house. So that's probably not a good month. That might be a low month. I'll, I'll kind of pick three months where I think, you know, maybe we had this big life thing going on. And I just open our bank statement and I create like five different columns for, you know, like Amazon, eating out. Uh, groceries, uh, debt, and then, you know, uh, bills, things like that. And I just start go through and I just write down the amounts because for me, it's easier. Um, I don't know. I sometimes, like I said, uh, technology just freaks me out. So I, I like the, the pen on paper aspect of like, let me go through, here's my categories. And it's like, okay, I'll compare those three months and oh my God, we spent how much on Amazon this month or we spent how much on ordering in uh, when, you know, we've still got this debt we're trying to knock down and you just get this. That's what I mean by clarity is just these like very basic exercises, just looking at, okay, this is my actual bank account. Yeah. These are the, this is the money that actually came out of my bank account for the transactions that we had. And the last thing I want to say is, was one of the first things you mentioned when you started talking, which was, you know, we, we try to get clarity around something and we get, we have fears around certain things. And I think I've started to train myself in, if I feel resistance to something, if I feel that I'm unclear somewhere, I just start to lean in and I just get really curious about that aspect. Right. So, um, I'm not a numbers guy, but I won't leave it at that where I can be a numbers guy. Um, I'm an extremely emotional, empathetic person. And I used to think that that was a, uh, I used to think that that was something that was not good about me, but now uh, I view it as a strength because I can empathize really deeply with other people. And there's these things about us that we, 
you know, we're put into a hole or we, we box ourselves in. But when we get really interested in changing our lives or, or really interested in that thing that we have this resistance to, we can start to really learn and grow from those experiences. And that was the same thing that I did with money. Yeah, it, it's, it is very, and I've talked about it. Some of our regular listeners are going to probably be like, here goes Nate again. He's talking about it. <laughs> I've talked about this endlessly on the podcast. There is a tendency that we have in our culture to do exactly what you were just talking about, Daniel, which is to box ourselves in. Um, I, the, the hype has died down now, but for you know three or four years in particular there, the hype around personality tests and Enneagrams, Enneagram types stuff. Yeah, yeah. was super, super high. And I understand the potential benefit there, which is, especially for somebody who's not particularly self-aware to realize, oh man, these are my tendencies. Yeah. And then now that they've developed, I think they're maybe the most valuable for the sake of self-awareness, a development of self-awareness for somebody who doesn't have a natural tendency to be self-aware. Here's right. a tool that enables you to be more, become more self-aware. These are my tendencies in these particular areas of my life. The problem is people stop there. The yep. question that I ask is, and now what? Because right. it is easy to write ourselves off toward particular tendencies and just say, well, mm -hmm. that's just, quote unquote, who I am. Our culture is obsessed with the notion of identity. And yep. that is a really, you talk about scarcity mindset, that's a really limited, very small mindset when it comes to what you can experience in life. And if you open yourself to the idea, anybody listening in opens themselves to the idea that, yeah, I may have certain tendencies and they may be labeled this particular personality type or somebody might call me an introvert or an extrovert. Those are my tendencies. But number one, I can learn to understand the psychology behind why I have those tendencies, which means then that I can make choices to change some of those patterns for yeah. My own benefit for the sake yep. of my business, for the sake of my personal life, for the sake of my relationships. I have the ability yep. to do that. And that certainly holds true when it comes to numbers. When I started to engage with my money more and when I started yep. to, and, and, and just more intentionally, and when I started to look at the numbers in my business more intentionally, my goodness, a world opened up that was actually became quite fascinating. And yeah. I, it's, it's amazing what you can do as a business owner when you start to leverage data, whether you're looking at you know, something as simple as income and expenses, yeah. but other metrics that represent customer behavior, whether it's on your website or the purchases that they're making or otherwise, you can start to make really interesting and intelligent decisions in order to build your business. But unless you're willing to engage with those numbers, you're never going to be able to do that. And then you're going yep. to talk about intuition and feeling and all these wonderful things that sound good in the moment, <laughs> but that only gets you so far. And yeah. so, you know, you talked about, first of all, we, we, we're kind of bringing it back around here as we finish up, developing a healthier uh, mindset around money. One is to develop a certain level of money management skills, and that can come from pulling from valuable resources. And uh, we, we, again, listed those. We'll put those resources in the show notes at bookapodcast.com. Number two is then to learn to know the numbers. And, and I mentioned a couple of uh, examples there with rocket money for our personal finances. I've used yep. mint.com uh, in the past, yep. another great resource for doing something very similar. Um, and then of course, QuickBooks is the one that I, is my go-to for financial management, business financial management, because it's relatively yeah. inexpensive. And at this point, quite user-friendly. Yeah. Um, and then the third step is it, it, you mentioned earlier, Daniel, just to learn to spend money more wisely, but we can do that once we have those systems in place that enable us to have awareness and then make more intelligent decisions. You talked about, you know, looking at and jotting down the numbers manually on paper and looking at it. I understand different people have different approaches, but when yeah. I think about rocket money, for example, you, you talked about Amazon spending being up over a particular period of time. Rocket yeah. automatically sends me a notification to tell me that kind of thing. Yeah. So for anybody who wants that simpler, more automated approach, you're overwhelmed by the idea of trying to keep up with all the moving parts, just 
connect your accounts and start to look at behavior, something, yep. the way that you're spending money, the tendencies, and then you can make an intelligent budget and then actively track that. Um, and, and again, you can do something very similar with QuickBooks in your business finances as well. So I know this is a loaded topic um, and we just kind of barely scraped the surface, uh, Daniel, but I, I, I really truly appreciate you coming along and taking the time both to, to be very open and share from your personal experience, but throw some really important ideas out there, some great resources as well. Yeah, man, there's, um, if I can end on this, like a little bit of a story about, yeah. uh, money and values and all that. And it's uh, a story from that book, the psychology of money. And it's a story about this, the author who wrote the book and they're an artist and they're standing together in a party. And all of a sudden they see a billionaire walk in and the author having written about this billionaire starts listing all their accomplishments, how much money they they're worth, um, how much, uh, you know, how they got their money. Did they have any windfalls, all this stuff. And the artist sort of unimpressed goes, well, that's interesting. I have something that this billionaire could never have. And the author's like, what happened? What do you mean? And he says, enough. I have enough. And I think that is what I'm talking about, about getting crystal clear about where you want your life to go and, and designing your um, designing your life and, and your money-making dreams sort of around that. Once you have that that North star where to go, all the other stuff starts to fall into place. And yeah. again, that's sort of a bigger conversation here, but, but just getting crystal clear on where you want your life to go. And that'll allow you to say, okay, well, if this is where I want to go, then oh, I'm, I'm way overspending in this area that doesn't matter. Or, um, you know, what are the, what are the stories that I'm, that the questions I need to ask myself that will say, okay, what are the stories that I'm telling myself? Or what did I see when I'm younger that, that is harming my relationship with money. And once you have that, like I said, that North Star, you, other things become really clear that are not important. And and you start to see as like, okay, this is a useless area for me to spend money on. This is a useless um, area that this money, if redirected, could go into this other area, which will bring me a lot more joy, a lot more happiness and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you said it's a bigger conversation and in some ways it is. But at the mm -hmm. end of the day and at the end of this conversation, I actually want to encourage all of our listeners with the reality, which is that a lot of it isn't overly complicated. Right. I remember back um, in the day when I was actively a photographer, and one of the things that I tended to put off was paying sales tax. I mean, I knew that the, you know, the, <laughs> the date that I had to pay it by, and I would put it off to the last minute. Um, or maybe in some cases, I put it off two or three months, and of course, you're stuck with some, some uh, penalties. Fees. But yeah. the, the irony of the whole thing was I built it up in my head like it was this terrible thing and maybe there was a bit of fear surrounding it and I was just annoyed by it and I wanted to deal with it. I'd go and do it and it took me all of 20 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe if that, to actually yep. throw, like do the math, throw the numbers together, submit the, the form, make whatever payment I needed to. It wasn't overly complicated. And I say that because it's very easy, especially when it comes to finances, to blow this thing up and make it way more complicated than it needs to be. Number yeah. one, we start with developing what we talk about quite a bit here on the show, which is a big picture view, a clear set of goals when it comes to finances and the amount of time that I want to spend in a week making that kind of money. I then develop a business model that will support that set of goals. And then I use these two applications. And just for the sake of simplicity today, Daniel, I'm just continuing to refer to, to Rocket Money and to QuickBooks just <laughs> yep. to give, just so people have no excuses, right? They can't say this yep. is overly Go complicated. Yes. Plug your accounts into Rocket Money and do the same thing with QuickBooks. Plug your business accounts into to QuickBooks and start to track 
the numbers. Yep. Develop awareness about your behavior personally with your personal finances. Develop awareness about your customer behavior with QuickBooks and your business finances. And mm -hmm. begin to, to be more intentional in the decisions that you're making, certainly in your spending, but generally speaking, the way that you're managing your money. And you're going to be way, way better off for it. And by the way, at the end of the day, way less stressed and way less fearful about it as well. So Yeah, and you... you and you don't even need to have like to know what what you're looking for and know what those numbers mean right away, right? Like when I started tracking everything, it was just like, okay, here's this number. This would I didn't even know what it meant. But as soon as you have the next year and the next month, and you look and say, yeah. okay, well, why did I spend more here? Oh, well, I went out to dinner with my clients a bunch more. Do I need to really do that? Yes, no, whatever. But it's just having the data and starting to just dig into it and be familiarizing yourself, which I love is a good point you made. Yeah, well, and again, with I think about QuickBooks and the way that it's laid out now. Even that, it's hard to misunderstand what's there. You know, uh, the right. plus column and and money in green. I think maybe they even have, like have <laughs> income in green, and then the expenses column, and maybe it's in red. Like it's some of it is just as simple as that. And so yep. for us to blow it up and then as a result put it off or kind of shy away from it because we've made it a bigger deal than it needs to be or more complicated than it needs to be, I just want to encourage photographers to move beyond that because I know how that hurt me. I, I'm super lucky to, work, to be where I'm at financially at this point in my life, but I would be two, three, four X potentially beyond where I'm at currently in my life had I Same. been more intentional with my finances way early on. So yeah. I just want to encourage all of our listeners, particularly newer photographers, to be more intentional, be more proactive, and follow some of this advice that, that Daniel is throwing out there. Daniel, remind our listeners one more time, if you will, um, where they can find and follow you online, learn a little bit more about your brands. Cool. Uh, you can listen to my podcast. It's called the Focus Photographers Podcast. Um, it is created around this idea of you know sequences or, or themes of episodes where uh, I release you know four or five episodes on one topic, and then sometimes I do some solo episodes whenever the uh, feeling strikes. Uh, another place that I'm really spending a lot of time is my newsletter. I'm trying to spend a little bit less time on social media, and we're all in our emails anyway. So I have a weekly newsletter that um, is filled with. Uh, uh, silly stories, uh, sensible business advice, um, and and some hype to get you through your wedding weekend. It is just written for wedding photographers too. Uh, you can go to focusphotographers.com/newsletter, and then I'm I am on uh, on Instagram at getfocusphotographers. And I also have to shout out one silly little account. Um, it's the four dad photographers. It's me and three buddies, uh, and we create stupid reels about the photography world uh, <laughs> to give people a laugh and about being dads and all that stuff. It's a good time. Okay. Cool. I, I, that was the one I didn't have. I, and anybody ah. watching the video, it's not up on screen. So we'll link to that in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. Okay. For those of you listening, and make sure to take advantage of the resources um, there in at the show notes, especially all the resources that were mentioned today. Thanks again, Daniel, for all your time uh, for sharing yeah, with man. our listeners today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.